Now they're making Ghostbusters with only women. What's going on? Shut up and sit down. We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on Earth. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Read my lip. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Ah! I love the poorly educated. We're the smartest people. We're the most loyal people. Hamburgers. (laughs) (laughs) I've been saying that to myself. Just alone at home and laughing my ass off with nobody else's. It's it's, it's the best. Hamburgers. Big Macs, Wendy's Burgers. Uh, Burgers. 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 Yeah. I still think he was just trying to do his Swedish chef impression. (laughs) And she just didn't realize it wasn't translating through Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Burgers. The theory is that this whole Trump presidency is just, he's hilarious. We just don't realize that we're on. Yeah. Well, I mean, old people don't know how to, you know, emote through text. And you always just assume that they're pissed or something because it's very short and there's periods after everything and they don't know how to use emoticons. And he's just he's hilarious. You just have to read it in a different way. That's my theory. Yeah, you're all wrong. (laughs) I I like that theory. (laughs) Uh, Welcome back, guys. Uh, Barstool Politics. I am your host, Nick McGuire, joined as always by Dr. Bill Muck from North Central College and Dr. Phil Barker from Keene State College. Hi, guys. Hey, Nick. Howdy. Hello. Beer. Hold on. Uh, before we get started, uh, social media stuff. If you guys have comments, questions, beer suggestions, uh, anything like that, follow us on Twitter at Barstool Paul, P O L, Facebook at Barstool Politics. Beers that we try, you can find on Untapped that you can download on iOS and, or Android. Uh, we are just Barstool Politics on there, so check out our reviews. Uh, the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, most major podcasting platforms. Review us, share us. Like us, star us, other things that other platforms do. Just do it. Make good choices and share us with people um, because we enjoy that. Um, And then Predict It. For our regular listeners and uh, new listeners, uh, we partnered with Predict It, which is a real money political prediction market, pretty much a uh, stock market for politics where you can buy and sell shares in future political events. We use it all the time to check public opinion on you know current events and see what's going on what people are thinking and where they're putting their money um which is always important to know my my son fisher has been pushing me to put a lot of money into the rock being a the democratic nominee he thinks this is (laughs) i support that investment it's such it's i can't remember what it is it was like eight cents or something he's like that's really good and i'm like there's a chance there's a chance you know we have Trump via The Rock. That'd be all right. He is the most stable candidate at this point, I think. (laughs) So I'll be voting for him. Um, What's great for our listeners, uh, if you open up a new account, uh, you'll receive up to a $20 match on your first deposit. So open up a $20 account and Predict It will match that $20, giving you $40 to use on Predict It. It's a heck of a deal. Those are math skills, people, which we don't do because we're political scientists. Um just use the uh, promo link predicted.org slash promo slash barstoolpaul20 uh, to get your free money and check it out. 
Thanks, Predict It. Yeah. Woo. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, hamburgers and uh, what else we got? Russian spies and bombing things and Britain's just going to... It's just bad. It's just on fire. So let's... It's just can, another can we, We'll start with week. the Russian spies. Yeah, let's do that. Who is our president? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, on Friday, we learned that in the days after the President Trump fired James Comey, law enforcement officials launched a counterintelligence investigation to determine whether the president of the United States was a Russian agent. Let's just let that sink in for a second. The FBI had cause to believe that President Trump was either knowingly working for Russia or had unwittingly fallen under Moscow's influence. And if that wasn't enough news to make your head explode, on Saturday we learned that President Trump had gone to extraordinary lengths to conceal details of his conversation with Russian President Vladimir Putin including taking possession of the notes of his own interpreter and instructing her not to share any details of his conversations with Putin with other officials in his own administration, Nick. He's keeping secrets from everybody. <laughs> his own advisors. That's I know. Oh, it's, it's hard to be shocked by There's news lots anymore. lots leaks. They leak. Everybody leaks things. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> Even his team. All right, so this is a huge deal. And we learned this week that Trump has repeatedly told his national security officials that he wants to pull out of NATO which would be the best birthday gift Putin has ever gotten. So let's dive right in and discuss this. Phil, you spent three years in federal prison after unwittingly serving as a Russian spy. What are we to make of all these developments? It was it was mildly unwitting. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> a partial wit. <laughs> um, so, I, it, again, it, like, you, like you said, it's, it's, it's almost hard to be shocked by stuff these these days but this should be shocking right this is unprecedented in american history there have been we've had corrupt leaders we've had people who were you know bad decision makers i i don't know that there's any precedent for a president serving the interests of a foreign country either intentionally or unintentionally um and so it i mean it's 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 stuff out of a movie right i mean it's manchurian candidates it is. And so I, All right, let's calm down. <laughs> no, Nick. <laughs> um, you know, I saw a couple of things that I think are, are in, uh, a couple of points that I'll, I'll make real quick, and then we can talk about however, whatever part of it you want. Um, this, is imp- it's, this is important because it's different from the other stuff that's been going on in, in this key way. All the Mueller stuff was essentially questions about abuse of power or about you know campaign issues it's, it was about like essentially violating it, it was about corruption it was about you know violating american laws this is about um national security so it, it's which is why it's it's a counterintelligence operation which plays out a little differently it brings other people into the equation beyond Mueller. it probably leads some uh, lend some credence to the idea that Mueller shouldn't be, or it, it certainly lends some support to the arguments that Mueller would probably make about the importance of his investigation and looking into it. So, um, I, I, I mean, I guess I think the first thing is just to note how significant it is. This is. I think the other part that is that I that I I think is fascinating is, I mean, if you were going to be a Russian agent. It's hard to imagine a sort of foreign policy that would look much different than what <laughs> I, like, I mean. So Trump has behaved in ways that 
again, like you said, if you were writing an over the top, but like if you wrote this as a book about the behavior of an American president and read, picked up this book and read it, you'd be like, come on, yeah, that's too like far, too far. That's, that's not realistic. <laughs> yes. Right. So, I mean, he's not doing anything to, um, uh, you know, avert these sorts of questions. And in fact, when he was the first asked about it on the on Judge uh, Pirro, Judge Janine yeah. or whatever her name is this weekend, um, his response wasn't, no, I don't work for the Russians. It was, this story is insulting. Right? I mean, it, <laughs> right. it, it, it's insane. I, I do think that's the thing spy that's in worth, 101, divert I attention. <laughs> I do think it's worth it noting that it's possible, I think, that he, this gets back to the other, uh, some of the stuff we talked about early in the presidency about why it's important to separate personal interests from the office, because it's, it, I mean, it is possible that he had that Russia has something on him. It's also possible that he just desperately wants business deals in Russia. Yeah. I mean, he had all sorts of financial interests, and so he's out of his own personal interest doing this, which is what makes him, you know, an unwitting. Uh, Russian agent sure. or whatever, but it's it's where we get back to you know again. Jimmy Carter has to sell his peanut farm, <laughs> I love and it. then there's this bullshit. Yeah. So. Anyway, you know, the, the, I I I thought thought this thought this was just a huge story. You know, when it broke on the fr Friday night, I thought this is this is amazing. It it got some traction, and within some circles, it was talked about a lot. I talked with my students about this, and a handful of them said this is this is crazy. This is a big deal, and a lot of other of them were like, eh, you know, I think, and that was kind of the reaction. At large as well, like I think I don't know if it's because we've had so much, but it was kind of like eh, just another thing. Uh, it wasn't as jarring as I, I thought it would have been. Nick, but that, Go ahead, that's Bill. a statement about where about us and where we are more than about the thing itself, right? Sure. I mean, again, if you went back ten years, twenty years, a hundred, any other time in American history since to you know prior to mid twenty fifteen, this would be a massive yeah. story. So the fact that so many people are just kind of like. Eh, um, I think I don't know. Am I wrong in that? Either I, one. Of you? I I mean I I think you're both both things can technically be true. I I and my when I read this when I read the outline, I feel like we've talked about this exact same thing both parts of this story half a dozen times already. Mm -hmm. I was absolutely under the impression that the FBI was conducting some sort of investigation about him being a Russian agent, <laughs> and he's talked about pulling out of NATO. I've I don't know half a dozen times prior to this like old news right I thought we were recycling a fucking story at this point <laughs> <laughs> we're just scraping the bottom of that well um it, it's it I I don't know that's interesting no there there is that that's that's insightful right that it feels like we've already knew that he was a Russian agent or at least being investigated. no 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 <laughs> nobody said that <laughs> no. that he was being investigated yeah yeah like, I just. I, I don't know. Like, I, I I understand why this would be conceived of as a big story. It realistically is a big story from uh, whichever perspective you come from. Either that, you know, the FBI was doing this and, you know, had, you know, quote unquote, enough intelligence to bring this forward or that they were overstepping their bounds right, immediately right. after, you know, Comey got fired. And that seems a little strange to some people. But, I, yeah, like, I just... I, I'm of the opinion that, like you had mentioned previously, Phil, he's he's just not he's not the guy to be an actual Russian agent because he's not reliable. You can't be a Russian agent and be that unpredictable. You can be a person who's just self-interested and is focused on business deals and has no idea how to separate those two worlds. I think that's much more likely than him being directly influenced by the KGB or Putin specifically. Then his policies that are supportive of Russia are not done 
necessarily because he's a Russian agent. He just wants to, them to translate into business now and later. Right. It's the same stuff with, yeah. you know, the EPA and fossil fuels and all of the things that he's tried to do. It's it's about business. Corruption. It's not. Yeah, it's not. It's 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 corruption. Sure. Is it? nefarious, you know, um, espionage? No. Well, it's <laughs> a question. If so. you are an... Un- well, he's sort of witting then, right? If you're doing it for economic reasons, it's still it's still bad. Right? Well, that, that's <laughs> where the two intersect in a way that's yeah. really important in that uh, there's a difference between Trump saying, hey, I could make some money off of building... There's a difference between... Uh, you know, getting China to to do something with with trademarks for Ivanka, and Trump being deeply indebted to Russians, which is what's likely yeah. the case, right? Sure. And and Putin is the type that would use that, right? I don't I don't doubt for no, a no. second he's, that he's Putin a nice Putin. Would, he's a good Putin. Would say to Trump, <laughs> right, that you that you're we, you know we will ruin you if you don't you know if you do X Y and Z. Yeah. And so I, I think that that's where they come together in a way that I think is probably somewhere in the middle. It's not just that he's wanting to make some money with Russia. It's not that he is you know. A, officially paid by the KGB it's somewhere in the middle but I, I don't I don't doubt for a second that Putin's putting pressure on him to do to do certain things all right so here's the the other side of that so with the the interpreters and yeah. the, his meeting with Putin specifically at least from my perspective if it was something like that where Putin was directly putting pressure on him mm-hmm. uh, you know we have this material on you you need to do this this and this otherwise there are going to be consequences I don't care who you are if you hear something like that considering how many leaks there are in this administration and politics in general at this point i feel like you would have heard about that in a second after it happened from the interpreter specific uh, specifically i'm I, I can easily see it being more along the lines of you know trying to goad him into more business deals and and, and trying to find you know an economic way to have influence right. over him yeah. And, yeah. and we've seen that you know, foreign diplomats and, and dignitaries can influence him very easily, especially if there's, you know, uh, money or economic benefit to be had. It's I, I just don't think it's as heavy handed as as what some people think. The I interpreter guess. is an interesting question, because so the one meeting, it's it's just Putin and Trump and the two interpreters. And the, after that first meeting, and I think that one was the one in Germany or maybe not Germany. I can't remember which one, but he takes the notes from the interpreter I, I still don't know why. If you are, I mean, the, the common practice in those moments is that not only do you have your interpreter there, but you have two, three, four other individuals just so that they can corroborate what is said. Usually, you want more information. Trump likes less. Right. And there's a variety of reasons why that might be the case. Yeah. It's still odd. And you don't weird. take the documents away. Yeah. You're supposed to kill them immediately afterwards <laughs> so right. they can't tell anyone ever. But then the other thing for the first meeting in Germany, where they had this meeting with the interpreters, and then at dinner time, the other thing is this, so that they go to dinner. And I don't know if you've seen the video of this or there's a gif of it. And Trump he's is pointing. Yes, he's at one end of the table. Putin's at the other one. You can't see Putin, but you can see Trump pointing at him and giving him like, yeah. And then <laughs> then they go and have a sit down where it was just Putin's interpreter. So Trump, Putin's interpreter and Putin. Um, and that was roughly an hour's worth of conversation. And so that's the other thing. Like, what's going on then? There, mm-hmm. there has to be some kind of record of there should be a record of that. Um, this is. This is where I mean, this is where this is why it's important to have those other people, right? Because they're even if nothing, 
even if there's no intention to do wrongdoing, there's just the air of it here. And, and I imagine that Trump, again, doing business deals in the past, right? You like tell your lawyers or whatever to leave and you make this, you know, <laughs> dirty decision about whatever is going to be the best business practice or whatever. So I could see him thinking he can take that into a, you know, some sort of session with Putin. But it just doesn't you, you can't conduct foreign policy in that in right. that same way. And and again, I mean, I think this is the this I think the the import of this story is that you're you're right, Nick. We've known that the FBI has been looking into Russia ties for a really long time. But those have all been, you know, the so-called collusion stuff in which whether or not the Trump campaign got some help from Russia. This story, what I mean, the, the the big aspect of this story is that Trump's behavior was so out there, was so like over the top that the FBI, it wasn't just, hey, did they get some help from Russia? It's, hey, is there a chance that this guy actually is a Russian agent? <laughs> like, that's how insane his behavior had been early on. So, I mean, I think that's the, the impact of the story, right? The fact that it's a counterintelligence investigation that opens up is why this is different than the other investigations that have been going on. And it's also, again, whether whether the, the meat of the story is there or not, it's the fact that this guy is behaving this way enough so that the FBI was like, we really, if we're going to do our due diligence, should make sure that he's not a Russian agent. I wish we could know more about the process by which a counterintelligence uh, operation is launched, right? So I would have to think that it's not just somebody says, let's start this. There's There's got to be oversight. I don't know if if, uh, if a judge weighs in or something like that. There certainly has to go, to, I'm guessing, to the levels of the Department of Justice. There's got to be some oversight just for an average counter, like when you're going after Carter Page, right, that kind of investigation. But when you're going after the President of the United States, you would think that would require an additional layer of concern and caution. And the fact that they went ahead with this, I agree with you, Phil, is the story. Uh, and what is the information that they had beyond just the weirdness of firing Comey and the interview on NBC? There's got to be some more dirt there. Or, to Nick's earlier point, the FBI is off its rocker, right? And, is, mm -hmm. and that is, while I don't think that's the case, I think that's the, it's less likely that it's that interpretation. It is possible that the FBI, after Comey's fired, loses perspective and says, we've got to defend our turf and go after him. Mm -hmm. I, we don't know. We'll find out eventually. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what segment of the FBI actually ordered the investigation and carried it out. Realist, I, I mean, it's, there, there, there don't seem to be many details at this point. Yeah, so. well, nothing comes out of Mueller, right? That's it. It's yeah. all secret. This is where it's hard for me because I don't, I don't want to go... I don't want to go down the road of like, hey, I 100% trust the FBI, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the FBI. There's there's a history. There's there's the chance that there's corruption, and I I don't. They've want to overstepped, just, right? His, I mean, they've they've done yep. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. I don't want to just 100% put my faith in the FBI. Um, on the other hand, I like to trust experts, and what this story says is that the people in the U.S. who are most familiar with how Vladimir Putin and Russia like cultivate agents and and essentially, you know, people whose life is to study, you know, to do counterintelligence against Russia, those people who know the way it works looked at the president and said, we should we should look at this. And that so that's that's why I, I don't know. I, I go back and forth uh, between those two mm -hmm. those two perspectives. Um, I, I don't know. That's why I think I, I end up settling on this is big and significant, even if the end result isn't that there's something there. Well, because there are these data points that we have to count for. So at the Republican convention, why 
right during the convention did they soften the position on Ukraine? Uh, you know, Trump's position on NATO, like this this view that he's been telling people we should pull out of NATO is is bonkers. I mean, there's the Democrats and Republicans. This has been bipartisan. Everybody loves NATO. Uh, it For is 70 years. Pro- yeah, provided stability. Europe loves NATO. Uh, the only one who doesn't love NATO is Russia. Uh, you know, Asia is relatively indifferent to it. So it doesn't make sense why other than like the old you know the old dues right so that obviously I think that, that's i think it's a he thinks it's a bad deal that's <laughs> as deep as it goes and it is possible that all of this is just he's a knucklehead and doesn't get it and his ignorance makes him look guilty um, but there's still that we talked about this last week as well which is that he could be doubling down on it on stances that he doesn't know anything about right that that's possible but then you step back and you ask the question that you asked last week, Bill, which is that why is it that the stances that he's doubling down on are like so consistently yes. pro-Russia? And so that's where like wh- where are the where are these ideas coming from? Who's planting those ideas? Why is he so consistently yes. in line with that? And that's where it's I mean, again, this is to me a little bit. It's it's weird that we're debating this, right? If we go back again a year to this idea of the, you know, we talked to it feels like a year ago about the smoking gun, right? Yes. How like the, the evidence is so overwhelming, like there is a massive pile of you know the the number of people around Trump who have now confirmed contacts with Russia with Russia and Russian agents the number of meetings the number of contacts the number of weird instances like this the the number of times that US that that the only person in US politics who's lining up with Russia's policy stance is the president like it it's just there's something there mm-hmm. is something here right i don't know what it is i don't know but the idea that I don't know. It's weird to me that we continue to debate to debate whether or not there's some, you know, whether it's just that Trump's weird or yeah. there's some some weird thing. There's something fishy behind it. And once we know, if it, let's say it is, let's say you know Trump is somehow in Russia's orbit. Looking back on this, people in down the road are looking to look back in history and say, how did we not see this? You know, it, mm-hmm. uh, in the moment, couldn't you appreciate this? Um, yeah, I, I do think if you're Russia, I can't decide if Russia if Trump is the perfect agent or the worst agent because he's inconsistent yeah but he also he he's like a parrot every he's time he's malleable meets, yeah every time he meets with putin he's you know right. echoing putin's concern or position that oh no we didn't intervene in the u.s election so he is effective that way yeah i saw somebody i forget who it was somebody that i saw on twitter said this week that uh, the the reason they don't believe that trump is a russian agent was that if he were a russian agent putin would be telling him to Calm down. Look, take it, take it back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're this too is obvious. So over the top. That you've, <laughs> yes. got to, you've got to back off a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just well, we keep insane. hearing more and more information suggesting that Mueller may be bringing a report or something within the next couple of months. So it, it, it's likely we'll know if, if Mueller. You don't think he's going to want to let this linger into the campaign season? He's he's got to wrap all of this up before. You know, Trump is running for re-election. It's just too much then. So yeah, there's got to be an impetus to move quickly. Yeah, I would hope so. Let's please just finish this. Mm-hmm. Please, please just finish this. Yeah. I don't care what it is. I just want to see what it is, so we don't have to fucking talk about it anymore. It, there's a possibility. It's more crazy than we even think. Yeah. That Mueller's got all of this information that is 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 going to shock us. Uh, 
I, I think it's more likely that's the case that there's more I, that we don't even know. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the inner workings of this, but I, people again who are who are more informed on this, we're talking have been talking in the last week about how the significance of this story also is that the fact that the FBI opened a counterintelligence investigation early on probably means that the FBI was prior to any of the Mueller stuff starting was was tapping phones and listening in on all sorts of stuff. So stuff like the amount of if if nothing else the fact that the FBI had this investigation going means that the the raw data available to Mueller is far greater than than probably initially um, anticipated or understood. So well, it's I mean it's all going to it's it's all going to come out at some point yeah. whether it's 2 months from now or 20 years from now it's all this is going to it's yeah We'll learn the truth. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that may be benign. I don't think so, but it, we'll learn it. Well, we'll learn some version of the truth. It won't be the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is interesting. I mean, this this connects us real briefly. We could talk about the new attorney general or, or a pending attorney general, William Barr. He was asked the report that Mueller submits to the attorney general's office. Will that be the one that goes public? And he said not necessarily. Right. That's the confidential one. Uh, he implied that the AG's office would release uh, their own version Fine. of that. Right. Right, which that could – this is all going to get out there. It's going to be leaked, I mean, because the Congress will have access to that. I'm not worried about this full story getting out. But there are layers about when we will get this information. I think back to Nixon, Watergate is going on, and Nixon gets reelected by a landslide, right? That that story didn't fully take off until after he was in his second term. It's, it's entirely possible we go through this presidential campaign. I don't think it's likely. And then, you know, we finally well, get the deeper no, truth. People can't it, keep their mouths shut now. It's true. It, and we can't separate all of this from the fact, I mean, we've talked on previous podcasts that there is there is a big political element to this. The, the impeachment, all of that stuff is, uh, there are legal aspects to it, but ultimately that's a political decision. And we're in a situation where the stock market's, you know, up and down. The government shutdown is now the long. We don't even have the government shutdown Wait, on the our government's list not of open? Gover- government's right. not open? <laughs> <laughs> Longest <laughs> shutdown in history. Trump's numbers are falling. They're sh- about, what did I saw? They, they're down. I mean, they're falling a point. Uh, what did I see? It wasn't a point a day. It was a point a week or something in the shutdown. Um, you know, the the public opinion is opposed to it. The Republicans aren't particularly liking it at this point, but there's not a clear way out of it. All of that starts to pile up as well, right? So you have all of this evidence about Russia, but also this factor of if Trump continues to piss people off or make bad political decisions, that's going to factor into how much of this comes out. And I mean, that, so I, yep. I talk about that because you mentioned Nixon, right? It yeah. was other stuff. It was public support collapsing that eventually led to you know Republicans breaking away, and that's what brought Trump, uh, Nixon down. So mm-hmm. then Mike Pence starts to look really good if all that other stuff happens. I I, I get the sense he's that a handsome man. He is, yeah, nice haircut. <laughs> uh, that that Republicans are being very careful with Trump. They're you know it's it's they're they understand what's going on, and they don't want to go down if the ship's going down. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's. They're past that point, though, right? Uh, no, no, of course not. I don't, think so. oh, I don't know. After two years of this, I don't. I, I'm not not permanently, but they're gonna. If if Trump goes down, they're gonna, at this point, take a beating with him. The American public, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. They'll take some. Certainly some. But uh, Lindsey Graham, he's now he's he's tied in. He can't come back. But um, I, I mean, that's uh, you know, we talked about it. Previously, it it's I think a lot of it is going to depend on the timing. The closer we get into or closer into the election cycle we go, the more damage it's going to do. Um, I I I would bet there are a lot of them that are hoping that something comes to light sooner rather than later. 
Um, and the shutdown is not helping the situation either. If it gets booked, bookend by the shutdown that it still seems to be deadlocked and there's no good way out of it, moving into a Mueller investigation, which we may not get all the information on, you know, throughout the election cycle, they're in deep, deep shit. So Republicans. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's it's bad. It's going to be a fun ride. And I don't I it's just, it, it, there's a whole conversation to be had here too cuz you were talking about Lindsey Graham you think he's done. I I'm less I'm less certain of that sort of stuff cuz I look back at Nixon and I see the you know the Borks who eventually yeah. gets a Supreme Court nomination and the Chuck Colson who's like now this big you know conservative Christian uh leader and you know Pat Roberts not Pat Robertson um uh oh I know yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there's like all these people around Nixon who never should have worked in government again. Who, yeah, yeah. they they're they're back. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. doing fine. You could, so. as, as long as you you're not charged with something, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah. Or even if you are charged with something. <laughs> right. Oliver North, he had yeah. a TV show right. for a long time. People yeah. forget about yeah. things. Don't worry about it. Forgive and forget. Yes. <laughs> well, sh- should we talk about some beers? Yes. All right, Phil. What are you having? So tonight I am drinking um, a Hans. Pilsner from uh, Schilling Beer Company in Littleton, New Hampshire. And mm. I am um, so my I, I looked this up before I, I drank it. It gets very good reviews, um, not like, you know, through the roof reviews, but very good reviews. And I, I sort of suspect that in this day and age, it's hard to get a great review unless you're an IPA. Right. <laughs> so this is a damn good Pilsner. This oh, is a good, is it? it's a good beer. It's, I, I just really like it. It's, you know, it's malty. It's not, I think people think of people think of Pilsners and they think of like light beers or whatever. And it's just, it's great. It's got good flavor. It's um, yeah. I, I highly recommend it. Very good. Pilsners are making a comeback. Yeah, people yeah. are really trying to get away from the IPA thing, yes. I think, and they're doing a lot of interesting things. I feel like that, too. I feel like I've, I've had so many IPAs. They're not as good anymore. I'm telling you, know, Tom's gotten me on these Imperial Stouts. Yeah, those oh, are they're good. so good, Nick. Mm-hmm. Oh. Always look for a milkshake one now. I know, that's right. <laughs> what are we drinking, Nick? Uh, we are having a uh, Elliott Ness Amber Lager from Great Lakes, um, which is, we were talking about it. Great Lakes does a few things very well. Um, this is one of their ones that I, I tend to like. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's malty, but it's got a little bit of a bitterness to it. Um, but it's not overly bitter. Um, yeah, I, I I like it. Yeah. I it's it, yeah, I, I like a good malty beer. And this mm-hmm. is yeah, this is not spectacular. I've had some better ambers, but this is really good, and I love that it's Elliot Ness. That's fantastic, especially this week, Nick, as we're talking about the good guys going after the bad guys. Oh, boy. <laughs> who are the good guys and who are the bad guys in that Jim, Jim Comey is the good guy, is right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Idiot. Yeah. Speed round? Speed round. Ooh. All right. So the question, is it finally time to bomb Iran? Yes. As the U.S. begins drawing down troops from Syria, it's a perfect time to start thinking about the next Middle East country the U.S. should invade. Hmm. Yeah, And if you ask the National Security Advisor John Bolton or Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, the answer is clear. Iran. In fact, the senior uh, senior Defense Department officials have expressed deep concern that uh, Pompeo will convince Trump to launch an attack on Iran soon. Bolton has already asked the Pentagon to provide the White House with military options to strike Iran. And then over the last week, Pompeo has been traveling all across the Middle East, telling anyone who will listen that Iran is the greatest threat in the Middle East. Phil, the idea of solving the Iranian dispute with another military action strikes me as completely bonkers. Uh, here we go again. Same same story, same solution. What's your sense of the situation here? 
Where's my phone? Uh, no bell. Ding. No. Where's the? <laughs> you got five minutes. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, I agree. I think that's kind of crazy that we're going down this road. Um, I, I mean, this is a situation in which Bolton has has he's been. I don't. Have, do you follow him on? I don't follow him on Twitter, but I've seen the stuff. Yes. He's been all over Twitter making the argument for this, which is uh, a little weird in and of itself. Um, that you make the case for war over Twitter these days, yeah. Right. right. I mean, making arguments about how it's, it's not, you know, critiquing the Obama-Iran deal about how it's not just about the development of nuclear weapons, it's about Iran's ties to other players in the, in the region. Um, I mean, this to me comes back around to, uh, again, the attrition in the Trump administration over the last... Uh, couple of months right i mean it, it, um with without uh you know with a changeover in in the um chief of staff with the changeover in the secretary of of defense right with mattis gone with kelly gone the those were people who kind of kept the bolton stuff in check and there's nobody there left to do that um and bolton you know this is the this is the same path it's a very similar game plan to the road we went down with iraq um that all makes I, my initial reaction is to think it's insane there's no way we're actually going to do this but when i step back and from sort of a more analytical point of view i see john bolton in the middle of this and no other people around to kind of keep him in check and i understand how impressionable trump is it's a little yeah concerning um it's a, <laughs> it's a little concerning to me this also and i, I don't i don't want to take up all the time but back to the topic we talked about before where even if there's not corruption, the the way the Trump administration does things leaves all sorts of room for doubt. And this is, again, where, uh, you know, this is not Russia's play, but this is Saudi Arabia's play, right? This is exactly what Saudi Arabia would like to see. And, and what you see with the Trump administration and the ties to Russia, you see a similar stuff with financial interests in Saudi Arabia. And I'm not saying that's the reason for this policy. John Bolton doesn't give a crap about about yeah. Trump's financial. No, he's interests. not a Russian spy. Right, right. But <laughs> he it loves the country. For th that's where, like, you know, it just opens the door to this sort of doubt and questioning about it. Anyway, yeah. it's, it's it, to me, it's a little insane. It's a lot insane. Nick, are you are you are you in? A, it's a little insane. Are you a lot insane, or it's totally sane? I, I'm along the lines of a little insane. Yeah. Um, there's definitely some insane things there. That mustache or one is insane. No, no, don't go after the mustache. <laughs> Say what you will about John Bolton, but that mustache is you golden. Take that back. <laughs> um, yeah, realistically, uh, his, the points that he makes about Iran, I don't necessarily disagree with. They are extremely detrimental, not only to. U.S. foreign policy in the region, but uh, just policy in the region in general. They're a, a, a an immensely destabilizing force that supports terrorism, um, you know, hinders economic development, is, you know, constantly threatening our uh, our allies in the region. It, it, it's it's not good. Um, having said that, there's I, I don't think why I think it's a little bit insane is that while you may believe all of these things and may agree that military action is necessary, there is no one um, outside of your immediate circle within the administration and the main person he would in, who you would influence, which is the president, who agrees with this. Congress isn't going to go for it. The American people aren't going to go for it. I don't think that this is you were talking about Iraq earlier. I don't think you have the benefit of 
piggybacking off of 9-11 and Afghanistan and the public support that came behind that that would allow you to have some sort of expedition the way that those conflicts um, uh, or those events allowed uh, the conflicts to uh, emerge from. Um, it's, yeah, he's he's a loose cannon, but he's not necessarily wrong. I think there are plenty of other ways that you can deal with Iran. Counterintelligence, uh, frankly targeted assassinations, I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, and economic instability and, and sanctions work to a point, but clearly they don't do enough to curtail their efforts. So something more aggressive may need to be done. Is that a military incursion into the country? Absolutely not. Is that a fundamental, you know, um, rearrangement of their uh, nuclear uh, capabilities and, and power creation capabilities? Yeah, if you can do that with a cruise missile, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. But I, I don't know. I, I, What's a little surprising to me is that it wasn't that long ago that we invaded Iraq and it went terrible. And that neoconservative position and argument was completely discredited. Nobody thought we should be intervening and toppling regimes anymore. And it felt like the neoconservatives just needed to go away. And it's not that long, but suddenly these ideas are back again. And I wonder, I wonder why there wasn't more immediate pushback when this story broke. And maybe it's just because there's so much chaos going in the Trump administration that nobody really thinks it's it's legitimate. But to Phil's point, it. it could happen. This absolutely could happen. Sure. There's nobody around. It's Bolton and Pompeo that are running foreign policy now. Stephen Miller is running domestic policy. That's it. Um, I, I, I am shocked how quickly the American public forgets how terrible the Iraq invasion was uh, and that this would be much the same. But, but even worse, this would be much more difficult and much more cumbersome. It, 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 I, yeah, I, Nick, I agree with you that the the idea that uh, the critiques of Iran that Bolton and other people are laying out aren't aren't necessarily wrong. It's just this decision that that the thing to do about it is to launch a war is uh, yes. I, that that's the part that's insane to me. And I don't know. I was just thinking it feels like a very Cold War era kind of response, like military is the only response. But there's also an era like there's an aspect of Cold War foreign policy that was like we were able to pinch our nose and deal with really you know terrible regimes yes <laughs> so that that part is missing in this i, I don't I, it, yeah I, I agree with you bill it's it's amazing to me that here we are not that long after um I, which is where i wonder if the 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 lasting impression of that era of the bush administration it's the september 11th side of it mm -hmm that has had that remains with more weight than the Iraq war mm. part at some point we should have a conversation you know, thinking about you hear conversations about you know is Trump the worst president ever and, and it may be probably likely but I, I heard somebody argue the other day that this this misses how awful of a decision the Iraq war was and the utter destruction it caused in terms of lives stability all of that that would be a fun conversation to think about you know weighing the Bush and Trump presidencies in terms of you know what's really the greater evil so mm -hmm. all right should we move on yep time to talk we haven't have we ever talked Tucker Carlson on the show before at length yeah no. you have you have that big poster of him on the wall there. well yeah oh, that's, that's why it's so right. surprising that we haven't talked yeah. about him so <laughs> All right. Last Wednesday, conservative talk show host Tucker Carlson shook up the conservative world with a monologue that directly attacked the core tenets of American capitalism. 
Carlson argued, quote, any economic system that weakens and destroys families is not worth having. A system like that is the enemy of a healthy society. Wow, Carlson. Ooh. He concluded with the demand for a fair country, a decent country, a cohesive country, a country whose leaders don't ac accelerate the forces of change purely for their own profit and amusement. Wow. Now, not surprising, reaction was divided on the right. Some applauded Carlson, yet others, like Ben Shapiro, scoffed, noting that Carlson sounded more like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren than Ronald Reagan. Phil, you and Tucker still play Monopoly together. Uh, what do you make of this potential rift within the conservative movement over the role of free market capitalism? Now the bell works. That's good. <laughs> it doesn't feel the same if there isn't the bell. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, I... I think that the rift that is that he sort of gets to a little bit is has probably been there for a long time um, and it's just not been touched on or, or sort of brought to the fore that much. I, I think it's it's important to note that I, I, I haven't watched this clip, but my impression from the stuff that I've read about it is that the argument he was making was essentially this wasn't that he was like critiquing the conservative movement. Um, he was critiquing the conservative movement for being too liberal in some ways, right? I mean, it was ultimately like an anti-immigration argument, right? That So when he talks about a fair country mm -hmm. and a cohesive country, mm -hmm. it was about immigration, right? And critiquing, um, you know, the the idea of... It, it, it's, a, it's a critique of the sort of liberal economic order in the sense of, you know, when we trade and deal with other people who aren't like us, that's the problem, <laughs> right? Um, that's the sort of progressive element of, of, of capitalism that he doesn't like. I think that that aspect, I mean, that's not what I, not what a whole lot of people are picking up on, but I, I, I do think that's the core of this debate on the, on the, on the right, right? I mean, it's the sort of Trump versus it's the, it's the sort of neocon neoliberal versus the sort of populist Trumpian argument that's at place about the role of, of capitalism. It's the, the sort of big business capitalism versus the ma and pa farmer capitalism, yeah. right? Um, that's that, and that, that's a debate that conservatives have to have. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I think it's going to be a huge part of, I, I think maybe in the long run, it will be a, a big part of, um, you know, figuring out what the what the right, uh, you know, how they what what their take is in, for, in terms of moving forward. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that in in some ways the 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 rhetoric that he's using is sort of Ronald Reagan like. I don't think the intention is very Ronald Reagan like. Mm. But anyway, Nicholas, where are you at on this? Uh, I, I is mean, is it a rift or no rift? A rift? Yeah, divide. I I, I mean, realistic. <laughs> <laughs> know what a rift is, damn it, Bill. Uh, like a chasm. Okay. <laughs> yes. A crevasse, a if crevasse. you will. Oh, I like crevasses. Um, no, I, I, I mean, I, you know, you and I were talking about this. Realistically, when I, when I read this, I don't see this as being any different than Trump in 2016. I, mm -hmm. I think it's, to, to Phil's point, this is a very kind of populist message where we're going to have a fair country, which means nobody gets special treatment. We're all equal that way. And, you know, all this liberal bullshit where we separate people into different groups and some have more power than others or influence, that goes away. There's going to be economic parity with the rest of the world. We're not going to get taken advantage of anymore. And because of that, uh, mom and pop on Main Street are going to uh, profit and benefit from that. And, and that's the message. I don't I don't necessarily see this as any different than that. And people who are, 
you know, saying that he's off his rocker, whether they're, you know, extreme conservatives or they're liberals who are trying to, you know, make a point that he doesn't even believe what he he mm-hmm. says anymore. I, I just I, I think they're they're missing the, the bigger point of this. I don't disagree with that. And I think you're right. A That's lot of good. this came, came out in the 2016 campaign. And the kind of, I mean, Trump is a capitalist, but he's not a, a true liberal free marketeer the way the Republican Party has always mm-hmm. been. No. His anti-free trade deals. And I, I, it feels like there's a seed of discontent within the conservative movement here. Because you're, you're right, Nick, but all of that, when, when he talks about uh, an economic system that weakens and destroys families is not worth having... You know, that's different from Adam Smith and let the free market reign, the invisible right. hand. This involves much more government regulation, yep. uh, trying to dictate how things are done. I, it just Does feels, it? I, it? I think so. If sure, it's just regulating different stuff. Yeah. It's regulating immigration and it's regulating, I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's a different take on, on what the government should be regulating, but it's that the government protects certain people or takes you know there, there are certain priorities that the government gives in the economic realm mm-hmm. that you're pursuing policies that are yeah absolutely that will be instead of pulling back right there's the deregulation argument which has been the long argument of, of conservatives of free marketeers this feels different to me this feels like the the government should make them take a more proactive role to instead of instead of aiding uh, our more traditional disadvantaged groups that we talk about uh, to talk about family. So I, I feel like there, there could be some long-term divides within the conservative movement, just like on the left, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders versus Hillary Clinton, that's the same kind of different view on the role of the market. I'm not accusing, I, I don't want to accuse him of, I'm not accusing him of being a fascist, but like if you go back to the fascist arguments, right, the the argument was that the government should play a bigger role yes. to help protect people and, you know, involve it. And, and that's, a, you know, in a very small way, that's the sort of step that, that you know, that's again the debate that, that's happening, whether it's free market capitalism or whether it's the yeah. sort of protectionist capitalism. Well, the other thing that, she, that I know we need to move on, but the other point is Tucker Carlson has come, like he was one of those neocons, right? The <laughs> yes. fact that he's He's gotten to this point is crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Well, even, I mean, even thinking about Trump and his his anti views of uh, these free trade agreements. I mean, that is that is not Adam Smith, right? It is more government right. regulation, tariffs, all of sure. that. So I think there's yeah, yeah. All right, time to go jump over the pond and talk about the United Kingdom. Oh, so Nick, yesterday was a kind of a bad day for the United Kingdom. Uh, Not good. Yeah, and specifically Prime Minister Theresa May. The Brexit deal she had negotiated with the European Union was up for a vote in the Parliament. It didn't go well. May's proposal suffered the worst Parliament defeat in modern history, losing by a crushing margin of 432 to 202. That's too many people. That's Yeah. She then woke up today and had a strong cup of tea, embraced for a vote of no confidence, which she survived... Now, ordinarily, ordinarily, a prime minister would be expected to resign after such a, suffering such a defeat. But Brexit has rewritten all the rules of British politics. The UK now stands on the edge of catastrophe, as they are just 10 weeks away from when the country is scheduled to leave the European Union. If no deal is worked out, it will be a very hard Brexit, which economists say will be bad for the EU and devastating for the United Kingdom. Phil, cooler heads are certainly not prevailing right now. At least nobody, at least nobody stole that sacred mace. You know, that, she that's, might be wishing someone had. That was that was the only good thing about the last time this happened. Uh, reactions: What are we to make of all this? Our, our comparative politics scholar here. Well, I mean, so I I should I, as a as 
somebody who does European politics, I, I do want to point out that th this is massive. The idea of uh, the ruling party losing a vote is not that big of a thing in the U.S. because, you know, individual senators or congresspeople vote their own way. It's huge in Britain until like the Tony Blair era, until the last like 20 years. If the majority party proposed a piece of legislation and it failed, the government collapsed like anything. Right. Like they if they proposed something and they didn't have the support, they called a new election because the idea was if Theresa May is the head of the conservative party and the conservative party has the majority, if she proposes something and it doesn't pass, it shows that her own party doesn't trust her. Right. And so, again, that that's, you know, even small margins of victory would have led to a, a, a dissolution of the government and, and new elections. So the fact that she lost by 200 and somewhat votes is is massive. Um, and she did survive the vote of no confidence today, but only by like 19 votes. It wasn't, I mean, she survived, but it, she's not, she's not doing well. Only because nobody wants that job, yeah, right? I it's, think it's that's terrible. what it is. Yeah. You don't see a dissolution because nobody wants to fucking deal yeah, with that. I feel bad for her because of that. And it's also, I think it's also that, uh, the, a lot of the people who voted against it are people who want this really severe Brexit, right? And so they don't want a new election in which the labor might win. That's even worse for them. Sure. Right? And so, yes. I mean, ultimately you have like a three-way division, right? You have people who want to stay in the EU. You have people who want to just break totally this hard, hard Brexit. And then the, the sort of moderates who want to negotiate some sort of in-between. And it's that three-way Brexit. Do what? A Un poquito poquito Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why you can't get a majority on anything because right. of this three-way division. I don't. I don't see any good way out. I mean, the only way out of this, I think, I don't know. I mean, I. I it's hard to say at this point because people are so dug into their positions. But it seems to me that the only two real possible ways out are an election. The government dissolves and they call an election and either. The, the conservatives win and they use that to push, you know, that for their policy or the Labor Party wins and they do whatever. Or there's another vote. They have another vote on the on on Brexit. That seems like the real like put it out there, put Theresa May's proposal out there and give people the option to vote stay in the EU or take Theresa May's exit or I mean, even give them three options if you want. But yeah. see where the where people people come down but I, I don't see any other way out you were you were nick talking about the the value of having another vote right giving this back to the people i i yeah the the more we talk about it and the more time goes by I, it seems increasingly likely that another referendum will probably in my opinion should happen at this point i think there's you've heard enough from people who originally voted for brexit that they didn't necessarily know what they were voting for. They assumed there was a plan behind everything, and they regret doing that now. Do they necessarily want to stay in the EU the way that they are right now? No, but I think they understand. A significant portion of that population <clears throat> understands that staying, at least for the time being, is significantly less harmful than just leaving without a plan. <laughs> I mean, Which that, is just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, if that happens, if 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 there's a hard Brexit where there's no deal worked out, I mean the, the it's Ire just chaos. The, the border in Ireland, right? That becomes a hard border, even though Ireland has said it doesn't want to do that. I think the reality is it has to be that way. 
Think, well, I, I think it's far worse than that. I mean, yeah. I think that's one aspect of it. But it's there are like millions of, of combined Britons who live in the EU and Europeans who live in Britain. And immediately their immigration and work yeah. status is, is up in the air. Um, they could be I mean, it's up to every individual country at that point. It's going to mm-hmm. be chaos if it if it the hard Brexit happens. What that means is there are no. Um, agreements in place at all for customs for like for imports and exports which I mean all ec- oh, economists have said that. essentially there will be massive food and medical shortages because of the the stuff that can't just because there's no agreement for like what can be imported what can't be imported yeah. it, it will be ugly if, it, if it gets to that there's too many moving parts to figure out in 10 weeks at this point yeah. hold a referendum be done with it and i just yeah I, like you you have to at this point yeah. there's no i i there's no other good alternative in my opinion it, it just feels like the uk is <clears throat> being irresponsible now i mean it, this has always been a country that has been thoughtful and i think to your earlier point phil the power always rested with the prime minister in some ways that was the you know they had the line votes and the prime minister had all the power this is the way it works and now it yep. feels like the parliament is more powerful than the prime minister. It was it was sad. It was embarrassing to see Theresa May out there, and then uh, the opposition leader. Like, what's his name? I can't think. Jeremy of Corbyn. Corbyn. Mm-hmm. Just just ripping her a new one, right? And and he's also but a weasel too. He but, is. Like, oh. he's, he's not proposing a new no. one. Like, he should right. totally be pushing for a referendum. But he mm-hmm. doesn't want to do that because the the Labour Party's also divided between the the Brexit and the non Brexit. It's yep. all screwed up. And I feel- yeah. I feel a little bad for Theresa May. I mean, yes. because I, the the problem is she's a, of the sort of conservative we voted, the people have voted for Brexit. She's the moderate one who's trying to find some solution. And it's people yeah. in her party who are saying, no, we won't have any, you know, essentially no agreement as far as you know, movement of people. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately as it gets closer and closer, it's going to be economically devastating for Britain and less so, but still for the EU. Oh. And I think what will happen is that the EU will extend the date for Brexit to occur, but they will extend it on the condition of either a general election in Britain or another referendum on on mm-hmm. Brexit. You know, you know who's the real idiot in all of this? David Cameron, who was the previous yes. prime minister, who was the yes, one sure. who held the referendum on yeah. Brexit, assuming it would not pass. And it was politically advantageous for him to do that at the yep. time. And it created all this chaos. He should have just said, no, we're not doing that. That's stupid. And now, you know, it, yep. it's just, it's it's bad. Never listen to the people. No. Ever. No. They don't, they don't know. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's come back to the United States and talk about Steve King. So Republican Representative Steve King of Iowa was removed from all committee assignments by Republicans on Monday in response to racist remarks he made in a New York Times interview. King appeared to lament a shift away from good old days uh, when racist language was appropriate, asking, white nationalist, white supremacist, Western civilization, how did that language become offensive? You had to put the first two there, you (laughs) fucking idiots. So uh, Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming, uh, the third-ranking House Republican, called Tuesday Wait, for... wait, wait. She's the third-ranking House Republican? Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize yeah, she's, that. She's, All right. she's big now. She's, she's big, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, called Tuesday for King to find another line of work. Ooh, Oof. that's rough. All this bipartisan outrage is, of course, a positive development, but it's our responsibility here at Barstool Politics to dig a little deeper. A generous interpretation of the Republicans' action is that they have had enough and decided there's no place for this type of language in the Republican Party. 
a more cynical interpretation is that this is a way for Republicans to look brave and principled on this language without having to directly confront the president about his own problematic language. Phil, what are we to make of this move by the Republicans? I, I don't think <laughs> I mean, you're right. It's hard. Yeah. You, it's one of those examples of where you want to praise them for doing the right thing. Right. You don't want to critique them. They're, they're doing the thing they should be doing. But the, the, the jackass has been in power for 16 years yes. and has been saying this stuff for 16 years. Just recently reelected. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Continues to be voted in by his own people. So, I mean, if, if anything, the, the people of Iowa, shout out to Iowans. Um, <laughs> they're the ones who are... Uh, who really should be embarrassed. But um, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think I think you're right. I think it's an era in which this is increasingly problematic. So, I mean, this is this is like when a corporation makes some sort of political, you know, mm. commercial and everyone's like, oh, they're a good corporation. They go they're green. <laughs> they're following like the the money there. Right. And so Republicans are doing they're reading the you know, they're they're They they can see the changing the shifting winds here. Um, Steve King is less popular, so he did get reelected, but it was not, uh, it was close. Like he's losing support at home. Um, there's lots of critique of the Republican Party being, you know, racist with Trump in office and all of that. This is a chance for them to rebuke them. It, it seems opportunistic for the Republican Party. Having said that, it's the right thing to do. And so mm -hmm. I don't want to critique them for being, uh, for, for doing this. I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to like, I don't want to put more import on it than it deserves. It's not that there's some huge shift in, in Republican attitudes, I don't think. Because yeah. they did, they turned a blind eye to Steve King for years and years and years. And so the timing is a bit suspect. I, the other part is the change in the speaker of, in, in, in the right. leadership of the Republican Party, right? And so, and what's his name? Kevin McCarthy or whatever even made that statement about yeah. people ask, why is this happening now? And he, he uh, threw, uh, what's his name, under the bus by saying... Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I've only, I haven't, I wasn't leader prior to now. And so yes. anyway, yeah. Paul Ryan, Paul, Paul Ryan, Paul Ryan. <clears throat> Nick, he, he, yeah, he's, he's an asshole yeah. and they are opportunists, but they're realists too. Yeah. And realistically they've played this game plenty of times. Mm -hmm. This is a story that's titillating for the time being. They're going to take him, uh, you know, allow him to be taken off of committees He's still going to be he's, he's going to retain his position, at least for the time being. And then this will all go away a week later. They're like they're not dumb. They know this stuff has a very finite half life. Like it's it's while it's it's disconcerting that this has happened. They know to put on a good show and eventually move beyond this because there's going to be something infinitely more pressing, you know, in in the, the public's eyes than this a week from now. Um yeah, they they are opportunists. I I absolutely agree that they should have rebuked him for this. Um, they didn't agree to uh, uh, fully censure him, so we already know that they don't want to go too far. Um, right. Yeah, like it's they're they're going to play this game for as long as they need to, and then move on the same way that the Democrats would and have done with members of their own party. Mm -hmm. I, I also think there's something deeper. I think this does connect to the president where. The Republicans are think you're right. They're thinking short term, right? So you do something. Steve, who cares about Steve King, right? This guy's nothing. It's one vote doesn't matter. Long term, they've got to deal with this impression that the Republican Party is racist, is tolerating uh, hate language, and you can't directly attack the president. Mm -hmm. So this is a useful tool, right? You can go after Sting, Steve King. You can make the case and say this is awful. This is terrible. This is not what we stand for. 
because they have to. If they don't long term, the Republican Party cannot be successful just running on on white men. It's, it's not going to work. It, it, there's there's a limited life there. And so I, I hope this is a sign that they're going to push back on this. And even if they can't push back against the president, which they should, but uh, I, I think there's it's a message both to King but also to the president. Um, I don't know. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I... Uh... The president hasn't said anything. The president hasn't critiqued Steve King. No, no. this is one minefield I think even he doesn't want to wade <laughs> like, into. Really? I mean, the guy said white nationalist, white supremacist. When did that become wrong? I mean, shouldn't the president <laughs> weigh in on that and say, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, is, is, no, is that like, his... why would he? Because he does. And then he's just going to have a firestorm of people calling him a, a hypocrite and a liar. Why, why, why would you put yourself out there for that? The all right you got to do is, sh- no, all you got to do is shut the fuck up, <laughs> let this pass over, and it'll, it'll be fine. Like, there's no reason to expend that political capital on something like this for for the republican party yeah absolutely for long long-term strategic perspectives yes for the president there's nothing that he can say that would make people feel more in line with him or uh or agree with him more by saying anything at this point that's true he said too much right (laughs) and and again the republican party could like you were saying nick they could have done more right they could have removed him from their caucus they could have they're not going to do any of that they still want his vote they just don't want (laughs) to yeah yeah all right time to move on to our final fun game Gentlemen, it's time to play our favorite game on Barstool Politics, What's Stupider? This is a game in which we are presented with two items, and we decide which one is, in fact, stupider. Item number one. On Monday evening, the White House hosted the Clemson University NCAA Championship football team. The president decided that instead of a more traditional dinner, he would provide a massive amount of fast food for the players. This involved candlelit tables with hundreds of McDonald's and Wendy's hamburgers. Or... Hamburgers. Hamburgers. Chicken nuggets, salads, and pizza. White House classy at its best. Item number two, and that's the vacuum cleaner you're hearing in the background, Mm -hmm. if you're wondering. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It has been rumored that President Trump is considering appointing his daughter, Ivanka Trump, as the next president of the World Bank. At minimum, she'll play a major role in the process of selecting the next president of the World Bank. For a point of reference, the current president is a trained physician and anthropologist who is a former chair of the Department of Global Health at Harvard Medical School, co-founder of the Partners in Health Organization, as well as the former president of Dartmouth College. It's like a nerd. I don't want him. <laughs> so, gentlemen, I ask you, what's stupider, serving fast food at the White House or appointing your totally unqualified daughter as president of the World Bank? <laughs> oh, yeah. Phil, go. Do I get to go first? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give a very nerdy academic answer. <laughs> I saw somebody today uh, pointing out that um, when you're talking about, because I always harp on norms, right? And so I'm going to come back to norms. Yeah, for a you minute. love norms. Yeah, that there's a difference between traditions and norms, right? So norms are like Ooh. important for upholding the nature, uh, like you know, traditions are are things that have happened for a long time, but they're not like they don't like constrain behavior or have an impact on the, like the functioning of our government or whatever. So item one, serving hamburger cold fast food to Clemson <laughs> University, um, is a violation of tradition, right? This idea <laughs> yes. that you would like actually make a nice meal and not like serve trash to the people who come to visit the White House. That 
that seems like a, a violation of tradition. It, it's like a there's all sorts of stuff tied up in there about, uh, you know, social class and economic class and whatnot. The second one is about norms and about the importance <laughs> of like the limits on power, about nepotism and whatnot. So, I I don't know. I think that that the the Clemson thing is sort of ridiculous that he went out and and the number of hamburgers that he bought changed I think over it's time. up to 10,000 hamburgers now. <laughs> why would he lie why would he lie about that? Hamburgers. People are praising the fact that he spent his own money. That should be praised, but if you're going to spend your own money and you're a billionaire or whatever, don't buy everything off of the the value menu. Right? Yes. Yes. So, yes. I mean, Saving the taxpayers like money. It's ridiculous, it's stupid all of that stuff. But I the, the I'm definitely voting for number two the which world is bank the, the idea that a totally unqualified person just because she's she's the daughter of the president gets to pick the head of the world bank is insane mm-hmm. all right nick what's stupider i i'm gonna go with number two as well but for the sense that this is not a real story that has any weight whatsoever and the fact that we're even thinking about ivanka trump running the the world bank is fucking ludicrous <laughs> um i i these are things where, you know, he's considering, quote unquote, uh, somebody for some position that they're not qualified for. And 90 percent of the time it doesn't happen. Are there unqualified people running a lot of these organizations in the government and whatnot? Yeah, absolutely. But her, his daughter running the World Bank is one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever heard, ever, ever, ever. There's no there's just no reason and there's no backing to it. Mm-hmm. There's no sound there's no specific soundbite or piece a uh, document or or anything that says that this is a real possibility but you how trump works is he floats ideas out there sure. he waits for a reaction so i i'm i'm certain this came from him oh. where he said what about ivanka so you think he's going well i do this and people lose their minds and go well i'll do this guy instead who's Probably not that much better, but we'll think he's better because Ivanka was there before. I, I did read something this week where they said that actually Ivanka might be a, be- a good World Bank president because she's outside wrong. of the mole. Okay, okay, fair it's enough. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think you guys are you're, you're not you're not embracing the question of what's stupider, right? <laughs> Having Ivanka run the World Bank is a terrible, terrible idea. It's it's the worst idea. <laughs> It's not stupider. Mm. Stupider <laughs> is serving McDonald's no. at a White House dinner. That's stupider. You're confusing stupider <laughs> with trashy. Yes. They filled the gravy boats with chicken nugget sauce. Oh. I mean, this. They didn't fill it with the sauce. They filled it with the little containers of the <laughs> yes, sauce. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, they had the candelabras oh. lit. It was it was real fucking classy. Oh, it was, you know, that one <laughs> shot where Trump has his arms open pointing to all of his fast food, and there's the picture of Lincoln behind him contemplating this. I mean, it's 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 so, you can't make this up. Well, uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the videos are great. Yeah. It's just this giant table, and then he starts talking about, I paid for this. Um, because we didn't want to spend money because of the shutdown. The government is shut down, so I did this. I'm saving you money. <laughs> it's just... But don't... I, Even uh, the players were kind of like, what? what is this, right. man? I came you know, to the White House for this? <laughs> I, I don't think it played that. I think it played badly with people who don't like Trump, but it get, to get at the, like, yeah. the sort of populism and the yeah. class div- dynamics and stuff, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of... 
like you know I, there's a lot of people who are like yeah i eat that what, shit every day man with mcdonald's right that's mm-hmm. you know college yeah. kids love that and the president like and you know don't soy serve me hoity-toity you know duck or whatever like give me some give me some big macs please if you guys <laughs> were in college and you saw that spread just somewhere you'd be ecstatic about it don't serve me some duck <laughs> give me some big macs <laughs> right <laughs> i mean it was real i mean i guess you can't have taco bell because of the whole immigration thing but it had it been taco bell it would have been a classic that would have been perfect i was oh they, they did have two i think two domino's pizzas that's it they had two <laughs> just a couple of them oh i thought a thousand, he's, he's... A thousand hamburgers and two hamburgers <laughs> yes and many many fries i love how he's <laughs> describing that but it's all got to be ice cold you oh, know it yeah. had to have been sitting there for like an hour and he... fries go bad after like 10 minutes because you know he admired it for about an hour he just kind of looked at it like all them wendy's burgers and big macs <laughs> Well, you got to do the there's, press stuff and videos and yeah. pictures. There's lots of pictures. Oh. There's also zero percent chance he paid for it. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's true. He's, he's His foundation stupid. might have paid for it. Somebody paid for it, but no, I, there's zero chance <laughs> that Donald Trump is is. So a thousand, So even if there were a thousand hamburgers, I saw somebody pointed out that everything on that menu was off of the the value menu, two for five dollar menu. Right? That's so terrible. if that. <laughs> If that's the case, it was like twenty five hundred bucks for all of that. Oh. If there were a thousand hamburgers, which there weren't, hamburgers. Um, so, but there's no way that Donald Trump is twenty five hundred dollars less wealthy after that. Somebody oh, is, but not him. Well, his foundation could pay for it if it wasn't banned from spending money now. Right? <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep saying hamburgers oh, just to myself was, randomly. That's just such a great story. It's like Hodor's cousin. Oh yeah, Hodor. Hodor. Hamburger. Uh, well, that was a fun on one. On that Nick. note, I'm going to have to go get some burgers after this. <laughs> Burders. Um, thanks, guys. This was, yeah, this was a fun one. ridiculous. <laughs> um, if you guys like these ridiculous discussions that you've just witnessed for the past hour and ten minutes or so, um, follow us on Twitter at Barstool Paul, P-O-L, Facebook at Barstool Politics. Um... Beers that we try, you can find on Untapped on iOS and Android. We are Barstool Politics on there, so look for our reviews. Uh, the podcast, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, most major sound ca- uh, soundcasting, podcasting platforms. Soundcasting's a thing, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Predicted. Uh, if you weren't here at the be- beginning of the podcast, Predicted is a real money uh, political prediction market, uh, a stock market for politics where you can buy and sell shares in future political events. Um, Barstool Politics listeners, if you open up a new account, you'll receive up to a $20 match on your first deposit. So if you open up a $20 account, uh, Predict It will match that $20, giving you $40 to use on Predict It. Free money. Free money. Tell you what. Um, just use our promo link, uh, predictit.org slash promo slash BarstoolPaul20 uh, to get your free loot. Um, so yeah, definitely check it out. Thanks again, Predict It. Anything else, guys? No. Cheers. We will see you same bat time, same bat channel next week. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Cheers. Cheers.